All right, good evening, everybody. This week is Parshas Truma, and this is the second part of our Helchas Nida series. So in this part, we're going to start learning the process of Tahara, which begins with the five days, then the Shiva Nikim, the seven days, and finally the Mikvah. I don't know how much time we'll have for the Mikvah, but we'll try to squeeze in as much as we can. So the first requirement of Tahara is waiting five days. Now it's important to understand that the purpose of these five days is to make a buffer between the last time that a person, that you, you know, a couple was mutter, and the beginning of Shev Nikim. Now the reason why you need this buffer is somewhat technical and has to do with uh, in-depth halachas of Tumah and Tahara, but that's the main point is that it's, it has to do with the fact that you potentially could have been intimate with your husband, and that requires a five-day buffer before you can begin the Shivanikim. And that being the case, you'll only require this five-day buffer if it follows a period that you were mutter. So if, for example, uh, after having a baby, you finally are able to start your Shivanikim, there's no necessity for waiting five days because it's not, you're not starting your Shiva Nikim immediately after a period that you were mutter to your husband. On the contrary, you were also to your husband. Uh, effectively, you've had your five days and much more. You've had weeks. Um, likewise, there are certain circumstances where you may have been separating from your husband due to halachic concerns, and five days have passed since you considered yourself permitted uh, to your husband, even though you haven't formally gotten your period or so, or, or so, nevertheless, being that you have considered yourself usher, that also at times can count towards the five days, um, and you know obviously you'd have to ask a rav, but that's also at times that can count for the five days. But simply not being intimate or, or just being physically apart, meaning to say, let's say your husband's on a business trip, that can't count towards the five days. As long as it, you're halachically permitted to, to, to be intimate, then you need to have a buffer of five days before you start your Shiv Nikim. Now, the five days are not a full five days of 24 hours each. Rather, the first day is the day that you become Asr. Um, it could be 20 minutes before Shkia. It still counts as the first day. And uh, it, it doesn't also <clears throat> depend on when the flow begins and when a person uh, you know, considers that their period began. If a person became Asr for any reason, uh, Kesem or, or anything, anything that caused them to become Asr, the five days begin from then, even if the flow only begins on the following day. One, as soon as a person becomes Asr, they can start counting the five days. Now, on the fifth day, after you've counted these five days, and on the fifth day, sometime before Shkia, a Hefzik Tahara must be done in order to begin the Shiva Nikim. Now, the ideal time to do a Hefzik Tahara is from beginning from the time of day that you can start Dabni Mincha, which is usually about either 12.30 uh, during the, the winter and 1.30 in the summer. So that's the ideal time, starting from then until Shkia. Now, a Hefzik Tahara done in the morning is kosher, bidyevet, it works, bidyevet, and therefore, on short days, when there's a good possibility that you might forget to do it later, or you might get tied up for one reason or another, um, <clears throat> it's permissible to do a backup Hefzik Tahara in the morning, just in case, for whatever reason, you don't get to do it later. Um, and then, hopefully, you'll do one later, but if you don't, then you can rely on that retroactively. 
Hefzik Tara cannot be done after Shkia, and even if it's a minute or two after Shkia, a Shiloh has to be asked. There are situations where you can be lenient, but uh, that, that requires asking a Shiloh. Now, the only part of the Hefzik Tahira that actually is Ma'akev, that is, uh, that's a, a, a integral, is the Badika part of it. Um, so that, that's really the only part of the Hefzik Tahira that's, that's really uh, Ma'akev. And it's a regular Badika like any other. And as long as you've done that, it works as a hefsik. Now, ideally, you're supposed to try to wash in that area, and even better would be to take a shower. But, you know, these are nice things to do, but essentially, all that's integral is the actual bedikah. And if it doesn't come out clean, you can do another and another, as long as it is before shkia. And ideally, you should get, try to give a little time between tries, like two minutes or three minutes between tries, uh, as long as it's time permitting. Obviously, if it's not, you can do them a little shorter. But you should try to put some amount of time between the tries. Sometimes, uh, if a person after a person takes a shower, or if it's necessary to do an internal wash using a douche or other method, then uh, you're, sat, you're actually supposed to wait a little longer before you do a hefzik tire. Once the water has gone internally, you're supposed to wait about 10 minutes or maybe even 15 minutes before you do a hefzik tire. So if, you're, if a person is doing any one of those things, uh, they should plan accordingly that there should be enough time to wait and then do um, a hefzik tire. But again, if there's less time, you could be makel, you could do it in less time also. So even if you're just taking a shower, you, if you only have 10 minutes left, you can do a hefzik tire after, I don't know, 7 minutes or so. So that 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 is bidyevit allowed, but clearly you should wait a little longer. You should wait like between ten and fifteen minutes. If a person has a problem doing a hefsik tyra due to childbirth, cuts, wounds, any any of those kind of problems, so a shaila has to be asked. And here it's important to understand the difference between a hefsik tahara and other bedikas. A hefsik tahara has to come out clean. And even if we know that there's blood on it because of a cut or because of some other reason, uh, it doesn't make a difference because the, the way, the concept of a hefsik tahara is that you can't start the shivanikim unless you're guaranteed that there's, there's no dam, that there's no blood. So a hefsik tahara has to come out clean because otherwise, otherwise you don't know. <clears throat> so that being the case... The leniencies which we might apply to other bedikas, when you know there's some red on them, we'll say, okay, we know there's a cut, we know there's a pimple, whatever. That won't help you by a hefsik tire. So by a hefsik tire, if a person does have problems, then the option is to visit a doctor, a nurse, or a bedekes. That you know, a couple of there are a couple of reputable ones in um, Baltimore. Um, who will do the hefsik for you and avoid those troublesome areas, and then then it works, and you know because it comes out clean. Um, a hefsik and any bedika has to be totally clean. And when I say totally clean, it could have other colors. It just can't have any red. But if it has any red, even a speck, that is a problem. In contrast to what we spoke about last week, like a kesem, which has an amount, it has to be a penny, and so on and so forth. On a hefsik tyra, any tiny, tiny amount is, is a problem. Good thing to know is it's worth it to check the bedika cloth before you use it. I can't tell you how many times I've been brought a bedika cloth with some red, and actually it's a red thread. Now, I don't know why it is that if there is a thread on a bedika cloth, it has to be red. But <laughs> that seems to be a, uh, that seems to be the Matthias. That's a strange, a strange, uh, you know, co- coincidence. But it's worthwhile just to check it first to see if you can, um, if, if, if you see anything on it. Now, after performing the hefsik tahara, there's a minig to do uh, dachuk, which just means to import to uh, insert a bedika cloth and leave it there until say uh, nightfall. 
That's a Meich Dachek or a Meich. Now, the Minigal is only valid, you're only doing something if it goes in before Shkia. If you, it's after Shkia, it's pointless. So the whole point of it is if you put it in before Shkia, then you leave it until Tzais. Now, being that it's only a Minig and a Drabanan, um, you don't have to wait till any kind of late nightfall, late Tzais. The earliest one is fine. Uh, 40 minutes is more than enough. You really could do 30 minutes and that's fine. And again, since it's a minig, um, if there's a reason not to do it, whether because of discomfort due to childbirth or any other health condition, or increased difficulty in getting clean, uh, it can be skipped. You know, you should do it with the consent of a rav, but there's a lot of leniency with that, so don't hesitate to ask. The seven clean days, the shivanikim, begin starting from nightfall after you've done a hafzik tahara. Now, the requirement of shivanikim by definition, Nikiyim, actually is referring to the clothing you're wearing, not to the Bedikas. So the requirement of Shiva Nikiyim is to wear white underwear, clean white underwear, and if you have that custom, to use white sheets on your bed. During Shiva Nikiyim, two Bedikas need to be performed every day, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. And uh, if any of these Bedikas are skipped, it doesn't invalidate the Shiva Nikiyim, but if you totally om- omit the Bedikas of the first or the seventh day, then a Shaila has to be asked, because that can be a problem. And uh, that's why often if you've spoken to a Rav, you have whatever issues that, that a person could have, that a Rav will tell you, okay, you can skip Bedikas and only do, um, you know, one and seven, uh, more, more often than not, a rub will say, do one, three, and seven. And the reason to add that three is because if you forget to do the one on day seven, that can be very complicated. But if you did it on three, then it's a lot, it simplifies the halachic ramifications of skipping day seven. <clears throat> now, if any of the bedikas, as we said, has a speck of red on them, a shayla has to be asked. Now, I, last week I mentioned the possibility of taking a picture and sending a text. It's very hard to do that with bedikas. With um, paths and ksamim, it's a different story. But with bedikas, when it's just a question of a dot and you have to be able to tell the color, so really there's not much of another option than to drop it in my mailbox or a, a rov's mailbox uh, in an envelope. But uh, if you are stuck somewhere, you can try. Uh, you know, I've, I've looked, sometimes it's very clear that it's not a Shiloh, so you can take a picture, but it's imperative that you take the picture on a white background, so you put it on something white, and it has to be good lighting. So generally, it only really works if you take it in daylight. Now, if a, a Bedika comes out bad, it requires the Shiva Nikim to restart. And when we say restart, it means you have to start over from the Hefzik Tahara. So, if Monday morning a Bedika went bad, which is, let's say, day, even if it's day six, unfortunately, of someone's Shiva Nikim, so Monday morning you had a bad Bedika, so then Monday afternoon a Hefzik Tahara needs to be done. And then you can restart, the provided it's good, you can restart the Shiva Nikim Monday evening, and that would then mean that you go to the Mikvah the following Monday night. On the night following day seven, one can go to the mikvah, and it's only permitted to go to the mikvah at night. And this, this is whether it's night number seven, number eight, or number 15. Mikvah is something which is only permitted at night. There's an interesting reason for it, but that's the fact, that uh, halakhically you're only allowed to go to the mikvah at night. In extreme cases, under certain conditions, there is a leniency that a person is allowed to go by day, but it's rare that we apply that leniency, and it's rare that a mikvah will allow it. And um, here, too, you don't have to wait for the latest zman of nightfall because it's only a drabanan, so essentially you can begin from 40 minutes after shkia. Um, but this largely depends on the particular mikvah's policy, as you'll find in different places, different mikvahs have their own policies when they open. 
to prepare for the mikvah, we, a person does a chafifa. Now, chafifa literally means washing hair, actually. That's what chafifa refers to, washing and combing hair. But that extends beyond just washing hair. So we're required to wash the whole body. Now, there's no set time how long a person has to spend in the bath. 20 minutes really is enough. That's the truth. 20 minutes is enough, and even less if need be. The key requirements of the chafifa are to soak in the bath, to wash hair and comb it in all places where there's hair, to brush teeth, cut nails, and then re- and also to remove any possible chatzitzes. Now, and also an important thing, which is often overlooked as far as doing a chafifa, is that a person needs to also visually inspect themselves after they do the chafifa, before they go into the mikvah. In some places, the mikvah lady will do that. Um, and at certain times, they won't. Uh, Friday night, in a lot of places, the mikvah lady won't check um, during covid Mikvah ladies weren't checking, so then it's incumbent on the person themselves to make sure they check themselves, because that's a very key element of chafifa, to check yourself. If a person has a, a mikvah night on Friday night, so the chafifa is done on Friday. Now, after doing a chafifa, you're actually not allowed to eat. In contrast with, there's another, you know, there's a minig of the day of the mikvah, you don't eat meat, and you don't do, uh, you don't work with dough, but after the chafifa itself, you're actually not supposed to eat at all. And, and summer Shabbosim, when people make early Shabbos, that can be a problem because you're only going to be able to go to the mikvah much later and your family's making an early Shabbos and it's not really an option to make a late Shabbos. So there is a leniency in that case. You could eat the Suda together with your family. And uh, it's just advisable to steer, free, uh, steer clear of foods that can potentially create a chatzitza. So you might not want to eat the main course, but essentially you can, you can have your Suda in that case. That would be the only exception. If the mikveh is Matzah Shabbos, then there's a question in the Paiskin, when should the bulk of the Khafifa be done? Should it be done Friday, and you just take a shower on Matzah Shabbos, or should it be done Matzah Shabbos? That's a question in the Paiskin, really either way is good. Generally, it's taught to do it on Friday, but lately, Paiskim have been more leaning to doing it Matzah Shabbos. But the bottom line is, is that you can divide it up. So you can, let's say, cut your nails on Friday, and then you can do the bath on Matzah Shabbos, or you can do the bath on Friday and cut your nails on Matzah Shabbos, etc. You divide it up, and, and, and either way is fine. Um, likewise, when it's matziyantiv and so on and so forth, the same concept applies. That um, that uh, that's that, that 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 you could do it either way. When you go to the mikvah on Friday night or on let's say a second night of yantiv and so on and so forth, it's ideal that when you get into the water, you should use some water to rub in the some private parts. Just as the, the shulchan Aruch seems to suggest this as being that it's been a while since you did your chafifa, so that's, the, that's something that should precede. Some people go into the mikveh an extra time because of that. Um, I guess that's also an option, but essentially it just means to clean, use some of the water to clean some of that area, and then you can go into the mikveh.